So is now a good time or a bad time to invest in the stock market? Well, that's a tricky question, but it actually might be simpler than you think. I'm going to share with you three questions to ask yourself and three ways to identify whether now is a good time or a bad time to invest in the stock market. Let's get into it. Do you feel like you were meant to live a life of financial abundance? Like you know your money is supposed to work harder for you than you work for it? Maybe you heard about the stock market and the new millionaires being created and wonder why not me? Maybe you want to invest in the stock market, but you don't know where to start. Maybe you have a 401k or an IRA, but you want to enjoy your money now, not just in retirement. Maybe you already had some success in the stock market, but you want to take it to the next level. Working for somebody else and watching free YouTube videos will only get you so far. To truly be financially free, it takes a strategic game plan, an investor's mindset, and a willingness to take calculated risks. When you're ready to get out of the rat race and onto the fast track, join us here where we break down how to manage money, how to navigate the stock and options market, and how to approach investing with the right mindset. I'm Jason Brown, stock market coach and options trader, and this is the Money Markets and Mindset Podcast. In order to understand if there's a good time to invest in the stock market, we have to think about what's a bad time to invest in the stock market. And when you don't have that comparison or contrast, then you're really stuck like a deer in the headlights, basically listen to the talking heads on TV or wondering, you know, listen to your friends like, oh, I just hear it's a bad time to invest. And with all this talk about the recession going on and uh, inflation, it can be a really confusing place to understand, is it time to put money to work or is it time to sit on the sidelines? So I want to I want to walk you through three questions or three things that you should consider to determine if it's a good or a bad time to invest. And then I want you to uh, think about where we're at in the marketplace with respect to those three different questions. Now, I remember back in 2008, I remember like it was yesterday when we had the 08 real estate crash. And so you had a couple of banks that were going under and going out of business. You had uh, people walking away from their homes. I mean, I remember talking to people who are like, I paid 300,000 for my house. It's now worth 200,000. I'm just going to walk away from it. Like I'm paying more on this house than I actually I'm paying. I owe more on this house than it's actually worth. And I remember having that conversation with people where they were literally just walking away from their home. So it was a very, very bad time, so to speak, for certain people being upside down on their homes, walking away from getting their first foreclosure on their credit report. But then when I looked at, you know, when I was looking around from a market standpoint, everyone was saying this is a bad time to be investing in houses, a bad time to own a house, bad time to buy a house. And it was just pure carnage. All the messages were just despair. Like, no, 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 do not get into real estate. Horrible, horrible, horrible time. Now, if you fast forward or look back, you know, 10 years later, that was absolutely the best time to be buying some real estate during the crash. And the key word here is during the crash, not after the crash was over, but during the crash, because at some point the market hit a bottom and when it hit a bottom it became a great opportunity to buy properties that normally you either a wouldn't have been able to afford or B, 
more properties than you would have normally been able to have on your books from an investment standpoint. And so when I look back at that time in real estate, if you think about the three questions I'm going to share with you, you can see perfectly how it applied to real estate. And I want you to think about how it applies to the stock market today. So the first question is, how much more can the prices fall or rise? And so when you looked at real estate in 2008, when it kind of hit that bottom from 08 to maybe 09, maybe it took a year to hit that bottom. When you look at that bottom, no one knew the day and moment that real estate hit a bottom. There wasn't like a like a bell that alarmed that sound and said, hey, this is the bottom. Now it's time to buy. But what you could have asked yourself is how much further can prices fall versus how much further can prices rise? And if you think about it from that standpoint, you know, some of these houses had got cut in half. Maybe a $200,000 house was going for $100,000. A $400,000 house was going for $250,000, almost, you know, half the price. And so once you kind of hit that 50% mark, you start to really ask yourself, how much further can the house's prices fall versus how much can they rise? And when determining how far they could rise, you have a target zone because you're like, oh, this was going for 400,000. Now it's going for 250. So we now have a basis of it could rise 150,000. Now you may be thinking, well, how do we know how much further it can fall? Well, I'm going to share with you a question to ask yourself number the second question. But first, let's just stick with this one. We have a ceiling of where we believe that the housing market can go. We believe that this house can get back up to 400,000 and it's down to 250, but we don't necessarily know how far it can fall. But just knowing that you can almost double your money is a good starting point to start to believe or say, is this something I should be considering looking at and starting to invest in? Now, the second question I want you to ask yourself with respect to determining how much further can it fall is did something fundamentally change. And when I say that it's fundamentally changed here, we're talking about for a specific uh, industry like real estate or a specific utility like a house, and then we'll apply it to the stock market. So for example, when you think about did something fundamentally change, people didn't fundamentally start finding a new way to live, right? We didn't say, oh, we're going to, we're all moving to Mars or we're all going into outer space. And so now houses are cheaper because everyone's leaving planet earth. So people didn't fundamentally change the way that they live here on earth. People didn't fundamentally find a new place or a new way to keep a roof over their head. And so when you look at it from that standpoint, you start to see where there could be a bottom because you're like, okay, if houses fell 40, 50%, how much more further can it fall? Because people still need a place to live. They still need a roof over their head. And we didn't find an entire different planet to live on. And so you can start to see where you can say, well, it's not like all the houses are going to go to zero. And then it's not like they're going to get cut in half again from already being getting cut in half. It, technically, if you do the math, if a house got cut in half from 400 to 200,000 and then got cut in half again to 100,000, I mean, th the house would pretty much be like 70, 80 percent off. And so it's very unlikely that they're going to go to 70 to 80 percent off once they've hit a roughly 50 percent off.
Now, when you when you when you when you put this in terms of the stock market, let's just cover question number one and number two again in terms of the stock market. When you think about it from a stock market standpoint, you got to ask yourself, how much further can stock prices fall? Most of them already been cut in half. And so now you have a basis for where the stock can go. You can say, okay, it can rise from where it's at pretty much 100 percent. Right. It can double because it's already been cut in half. So it could rise about 100 percent from where it currently is at. And then when you ask yourself, how much further can it fall and mix that with the second question, did something fundamentally change? You start to look at good companies or should I say companies who didn't have a fundamental change like Apple. Did we fundamentally change how we use a computer, how we listen to music, how we use the iPhone? Did, 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 did there become a new challenger in the cell phone market? And the answer is no. And so you start to look and say, did their business fundamentally change forever? Do we not listen to music anymore? Do we not download? Do we not stream? Do we not watch Apple TV? Did we fundamentally start to communicate a different way where we're not using cell phones? We're using sign language or something like that. The answer is no. You could take another company. You could take um, Amazon, for example. Did we fundamentally change the way that we shop? Do we no longer shop online? Do we no longer like same day or two day delivery? None of that has changed. We still love same day delivery. We still love two day delivery. We still love the ability to go on our phone or on our computer and order something and have it show up at our doorstep. And so when you start to look at it from that standpoint, you start to say it's not going to zero. So we can just rule that out. It's not going to zero because the utility of that product, right? The utility of a house still stayed the same. People need a place to live. The utility of certain stocks, we still need a place to get our goods and service and we love getting it delivered to our door. We're not all of a sudden say, we just love going back out the shop and standing long lines at a store. We love having it show up at our doorstep. And so there are certain stocks that at about 50% off, you start to realize that there's not much further that they can fall and that they have more upside potential than they have downside potential because the utility or the functionality of the, the, the business did not change. And they still have customers. It's not like, oh, there's inflation. They have zero customers now. Same thing with the 08 real estate crash. It's not like, you know, banks are going under like, but no one needs a place to stay anymore. Like people still need a place to stay. And so that leads me to the third question that you want to ask yourself when you start to consider is now a good time to invest or trade in the stock market, which those are two different things. Um, but when you start to ask, is it a good time to invest or trade in the stock market? The third question is, how long is it going to take me to get a return? And when you think about real estate, once it bottomed out after six months to a year of just hitting the bottom, pretty much every month or every year after that, real estate has been on the rise. And so when you look at that about a one year period of everything falling, pretty much it took you one year, depending on when you got in at the bottom or close to the bottom, it took you maybe six to 12 months before you to start to see a return. That's if you were just a buy and hold investor versus a you know fix and flip or get something and then turn around and sell an investor, which would be the equivalent to trading, right? So if you're investing, you're buying and holding. If you're trading, you're like, oh, this is a good deal. Let me get in here. Oh, price rose a little bit. Let me turn it over to somebody else who actually wants to live here or wants to own the stock. And so it's the same thing with the stock market. If you think about the pandemic, the pandemic only lasted really from a stock market sell-off standpoint, like six months to a year. 
after that, the stock market just rose steadily after the pandemic. And so now we got this whole inflation thing and you got the war with Russia and Ukraine and everything sold off over 50 percent. We pretty much if you look at all of 2022, we pretty much flatlined and then sold off for all of 2022, which means the bottom may be near to being in because we've lost over 50 percent of the value of majority of these stocks. And most of these stocks are back to pre-pandemic levels, or should I say, you know, the levels they were right before the pandemic hit and they sold off. And also the levels they were at right before we started getting stimulus money and they shot through the roof. So it's like you took the pandemic out and you took the stimulus money out. We're right back at roughly the same place we were before those two events happened, which means we're back to the normal course of business for most of these stocks. And so when you start to think about how long will it take for you to get a return? I mean, we're looking at maybe six to 12 months before inflation may be in the rearview mirror and there'll be something else that we're worried about. But much like inflation, you know, in the past, we will get through this. It's not something that'll last forever. And obviously the feds are raising interest rates so that they can curtail the whole inflation piece. And so, when you take a look at the current stock market and you ask yourself those three questions, number one, how much more can the prices fall? They're already down over 50%. I don't believe that there's much more that they can fall. And we know where they could rise to. They could rise pretty much about 100% to get back to the all-time highs, but not overnight. They're not going to just rise to those numbers overnight, but we have a basis of where things can go versus you know, how much further they can fall. And then the second thing is, there's a lot of good companies whose utilities didn't change. Now, there are some bad companies who utilities did change. If you think about DocuSign, for example, um, they skyrocketed through the pandemic because everything was shut down. Everybody was using e-signatures. Now that the world is open back up, people are doing business back in person. Where's their growth going to come from in order for people to for them to continue growing the company? In fact, they probably hit peak growth and then they start losing customers because some people realize like, oh, I don't need DocuSign anymore. I can get a signature in person again. And so when you start to look at is it a good or a bad time to invest? That is a company, for example, that could continue falling lower. That is a company that from the second question did something fundamentally change um, with the industry or their business model. Their business model stayed the same, but something fundamentally changed in the industry where people no longer need that service, not in the bulk amount that they needed it before in the past. And so when you look at that, it could fall a little bit more. And if you say, well, how long will it take to get a return on a company like that? It's like, well, we need another pandemic to happen or something where everyone had to stay at home and collect signatures again for them to see a spike in customers coming back. And so it could take a long time before you see a positive return in a company like that. And so whether it's a good time to invest or a bad time to invest, it really depends on a few things. Number one, the company that you're looking at. That's a big part of, is it a good time to invest or not? The company you're looking at, the sector, the industry that you're looking at, because we need to determine, has there been a fundamentally change in the consumer behavior or fundamentally change in that industry that it's not going to come back for a long time? And so that should determine if it's a good time to invest or trade or not. And then the second question is, how long is it going to take for that stock or the sector or industry to come back? If you look at specific stocks, like the example I just gave you, some are going to continue to go down, but some 
didn't go down as much and are going to bounce back quicker. No different than real estate. There are some wealthy areas. You take the Hamptons, you take different places in New York, California. There are some places like that that didn't fall as much. And as soon as the market bounced back, they bounced back faster or they bounced back. Not only did they bounce back faster, they bounced back at a higher price than they were before the market crashed. It's the same thing with the stock market. There are some stocks like Apple, like Amazon, maybe Tesla, and there's a few others that they didn't sell off as much as a Roku, um, as a DocuSign. You know, Roku just makes the set-top boxes for cable television, basically, um, and then DocuSign collects the electronic signatures. Certain companies like those two fail really hard, but then you got companies like, like I said, Amazon, Tesla, Apple, that are down maybe about... 50%, 40% from their highs, not not even quite 50% on some of them. And they're probably finding a bottom or not going to fall much lower because they still have a core business. They still have a core group of customers that are going to buy computers, buy phones, shop online, um, surf the web, buy electric vehicles, etc. And so just like certain areas of real estate, there are certain stocks that aren't going to fall as much and they're gonna rebound quicker and potentially go higher as we come up out of this whole inflation thing, out of all this recession talk. So I want you thinking for yourself and not just assuming that the news knows best or letting negative uh, information get the best of you and making you be paralyzed like a deer in headlights. I really want you to think about 2008, because I know for me personally, I think back to where I listened to some people around me like, no, they're, they're right. Now it's not a good time to invest in real estate. But had I thought through it logically, I probably would have bought a ton of properties that I would be sitting on right now, either a collecting rent from or I would have sold them at an all time high when we had this whole pandemic housing craze. And so I know a lot of people got wealthy, but you got to think about well that where that wealth really started. And when I think about where that wealth really started for a lot of people, that wealth started during that wealth started buying during a time where everybody else was afraid that wealth started buying during a time where everybody else said now is not a good time to invest in real estate. And I think it's the same thing with the stock market. When the pandemic hit, a lot of wealth was created because people were scared. The world's locked down. Um, you know, stocks are going to zero, nobody's shopping, everything came to a halt. But then somebody had to have the foresight to say, wait a minute, we got smart scientists, smart doctors, we're going to come up with a vaccine, we'll eventually get out of this, the world will eventually open back up, and people being locked down that long, they're going to be more excited to spend money and shop and spend time with their friends, travel. Why don't we look at some of these stocks that we can start buying that once the world open back opens back up, that will be these stocks will boom. And it's the same thing right now. It's inflation, 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 high interest rates, but it won't be that way forever. And so I want you to start asking yourself, what stocks stand to benefit once interest rates start to come back down? What stocks start to benefit once inflation starts to come back down? And what are the companies who are going to thrive when this is over? And then you have to ask yourself, are you going to be one of those people to take advantage of it? And that's what we do inside of the university. People ask all the time, well, Jason, what stocks are you looking at? What companies are you investing in? 
And that's what we share with our members. We walk through the same analysis that we just did here. We just gave you three. We gave you Amazon to look at, Apple to look at, Tesla, but those are only three. But this is what we do is we break down this information and say, what companies should we be looking at? And when should we really start to think about dabbling? And when I say dabbling, starting to put some capital to work, not all our capital to work, but should we start to deploy 25%? And then when should we deploy 50%? And then when should, when should we deploy 75% as we start to see the market improving, inflation coming down, um, we start to see interest rates maybe not being raised again. We want to start to dive into what companies are going to do well as we come up out of this. I believe if you look at the market from that standpoint or you get in the rooms where those discussions are happening, I believe that you're going to look back in 12 to 24 months and it's going to be one of the best buying opportunities that we've had in a long time, but only if you know the right companies to buy and you have a rough idea of when the tide is turning and you can start to get in front of that wave and ride and finding that tide turning and ride that wave as the market and as certain stocks start to rebound and start to go back higher. So let me know in the comments, is now a good time to invest or a bad time to invest? And do you have a better idea of how to decide that good or bad time after listening to this episode? I'll see you on the next one.